0: Welcome to the Clone Saga Chronicles uh, 2.0 feed from SpideyDude.com. If you're listening to one of these older episodes, you'll hear references to our Podomatic website and a voicemail number, which is now defunct. So if you're a new listener who just found this uh, podcast, pay no mind to the links that we give out, like CloneSagaChronicles.Podomatic.com or our voicemail number. Enjoy this classic episode of Clone Saga Chronicles. Hello everybody, and no, your download uh, bar does not deceive you. This is the episode of Clone Saga Chronicles, which should have been out weeks ago. This was actually recorded the same night that Clone Saga Chronicles 4 came out. We were going to try and do a thing where we release it that night or the next morning, just like we did with the first issue of uh, Clone Saga, the miniseries. And we've usually been pretty good about getting our stuff out a a day or two after we record. This time around, uh, Bertoni, our editor... uh, he just uh, dropped the ball on this one. He was having some issues with work, holiday stuff, uh, getting everything ready for the holidays, and doing triple shifts at work. So this one sat in the editing thing for a while. So blame Bertoni. So sorry that you guys didn't get to listen to this um, in time for Christmas. Uh, so when Zach wishes you all a Merry Christmas at the end of the podcast, he's actually talking about Christmas 2010. Um, there are lots of podcasts that you guys could have listened to uh, while you're waiting for this to be done. Here is one of those, for example, which decided to advertise with us.
1: Excelsior, Spider Man fans! We're Thomas Mattis and Donald Mark. And we want to invite you to the most web-slingingest podcast around: The Spectacular Webs Podcast. A podcast dedicated to one of the best animated superhero shows on television today: The Spectacular Spectacular Spider-Man Animated Series, where we review each episode of the series. We dive into music, art, and story, and we have been special guests for interviews, hauling our own slapstick comedic chatter. So if you're looking for one swinging podcast about your favorite web-slinger, zip down to the Spectacular Webs Podcast at www.spectacularwebspodcast.podmatic.com. Or search us out on iTunes by typing "spectacular webs" in the search box. And please remember to leave us iTunes reviews when you go to iTunes and fan mail at SpectacularWebs at Yahoo.com. So until then, stay, stay spectacular. spectacular.
2: Whoa, I don't think I even want to hear your story.
1: All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider
2: story. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related
3: to this reality's Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. I'm the
2: real Spider-Man. I don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker. You see! I really clones. I thought I was that clone. I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. I dyed my hair and changed my name to Ben Riley. When I became a costume hero the Scarlet Spider,
1: it really made him angry. But the next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that according to our genetic structures, it might be Peter who was the clone not me.
2: That news pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. Why
1: didn't
2: you
4: just tell me I was a clone?
5: The cloning process has proven unstable. you are coming apart.
2: Cloneheads, heads, I am Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood host. I'm also the webmaster of Spidey.com, which powers this podcast. And joining me is a very special guest this edition. Jason Vassi, who's a regular poster on our message board, section of the Experiment Crawl Space message board, <laughs> has decided to join us. Welcome, Jason.
3: Uh, thank you. Glad to be here.
2: And, of course, we have the one, the only, the myth, the man, the legend, Mr. Bertone. Hey. And we also have got the other man, the other myth, the other legend, <laughs> Mr. Gerard de la Tour, a- How aka about them cowboys? Spider- oh, God.
0: Us myths, legends, <laughs> we, we come in pairs.
2: yes. Uh, he's Gerard Delatour the second, which means he was cloned from somebody else.
0: Brandon's on a date with Miley, so he won't be joining us.
2: Sadly, uh, Brandon could not join us. I guess for that reason. Welcome back, if you guys, if this is your first time on the Clone Saga Chronicles podcast, basically give you a brief rundown. We we'll we'll do reviews of a particular month from the Spider-Man Clone Saga. This this particular month, we're going to be doing reviewing four old issues and a new issue. And those issues are Amazing Spider-Man number 397, Peter Parker Spider-Man number 54, Spectacular Spider-Man number 220, and Web of Spider-Man number 124 issues. This set of issues came out in November of 1994. So, but before we get started, um, at this point in time in Marvel's history, there was a big seismic event internally that was going on. We've talked about the death of Superman. We talked about how that influenced and the, and the infamous Nightfall story from Batman. Although, that kind of influenced the story significantly. And uh, at this point, we had a big, big change internally in Marvel. And that change was we had not one editor-in-chief, which was Tom DeFalco. We had five. And those five editors-in-chiefs uh, were over different and various parts of Marvel. Those parts of Marvel were Mark Grenwald, Bob Harris, Bob Bulinski, who was the, the editor-in-chief of, uh, of Spider-Man. And Bobby Chase and Carl Potts; those guys were the five, quote unquote, brain trust, if you want to use that phrase, which kind of has a current meaning now. But back then, this was uh, somebody's brilliant idea in the uh, in the sales department was like, hey, let's cut these, let's split these up into four different people, and Bob Bielinski was the guy that took over. Uh, at this point. It's a bittersweet thing. If you if you look back in the 90s, it, if you're reading the books along, you'll, you'll notice pretty quickly that the bullpen bulletins are, are completely gone. It replaced with a Spider-Man-centric bullpen bulletins. So it only talks about Spider-Man. It doesn't talk about the Avengers. doesn't talk about the Fantastic Four. This this really went on up through the promotion of Bob Harris, who became editor-in-chief in 1995. So we'll talk about him here in a little bit in a few episodes but not right now, because uh, he's really not important at this point. Um, so we got that happening. DeFalco was you know, kind of the plotter for Spectacular. Now he's going to be writer full-time all the way up through uh, another point where we'll have a seismic change in the uh, direction of Spider-Man. So when we get to there, we'll talk about a little bit more. That kind of gets you up to date. Like, some people were complaining that we don't talk about uh, the stuff going on behind the scenes. Well, we just changed that, so... Anyway, Bertoni, if you'll start with our rundown of, uh, let's start with a mate. Uh, let's start with Web of Life Part One, Web of Web 120.
0: Okay, well, to recap things, Ben, I'm a clone. I'm sad. I'm gonna beat Venom. I beat Venom. Now I'm happy. So that's basically what's been going on with Ben. And we begin uh, Web of Life Part One, which is in Web of Spider-Man number 120. Scarlet Spider is foiling a heist by Tombstone. And during this fight, you know, Tombstone saying stuff to him like, you know, what kind of a man are you? And then Ben's saying in his internal monologue, I'm not a man, in his head over and over again. And here's the podcast drinking game. If you are too young to drink, like some of our panelists who aren't on this week because they're on dates with Hannah Montana, you can just, you know, have some soda. But anytime Kane is watching in the shadows during these recaps, take a sip of, uh, alcoholic beverage or an alcoholic beverage your choice so as i said during this fight kane is watching in the shadows take a drink the grim hunter is at craven's mansion and he's monologuing about his upcoming hunt for spider-man uh and there's a little thing like nobody's been here since craven died and then the editor's like uh yes somebody has uh chameleon remember so i don't know if um Terry Kavanaugh actually made that mistake or not, or if that was in there on purpose. But regardless, Scarlet Spider is taking care of some crime at the docks, while Betty Brant and Ken Ellis are arguing over who will get to write the story. While Ben is fighting the people, he makes kind of eye contact with Betty after the fight's over, and he swings away, and he's noticing a look that she's giving him. We cut to Peter, and he's lying unconscious, for reasons that you're going to see when we get to Web of Death, and May's in a coma, and Kane is watching in the shadows. That's your second sip of the podcast. And he's getting a vision of Mary Jane dying. He thinks that he must act soon as he swings off. Now, by the way, this is Kane's first vision of Mary Jane dying. Speaking of our dear old Mary Jane, she's leaving Pittsburgh and Gail's seen her off at the airports. And Gail says that Mary Jane is positively glowing. Why would Mary Jane positively be glowing? Could this be foreshadowing? Well, Ben is off on the rooftops thinking about how good it was to fight Tombstone and hide behind the mask, even if he does hate the Scarlet Spider name, which he's going to do something really, really stupid about his hatred of that name soon. The Grim Hunter is murdering some soldiers on the dock where the Scarlet Spider last was because he heard over the news that that's where, the, that that's where Spider-Man was, and he, he thinks that the Scarlet Spider is Spider-Man at this point, and he mistakes Ben sent for Peters, and he begins to track it. And he's going to be tracking that to Betty's garden at the the back of her apartment, because that's where Scarlet Spider shows up. In a scene that's kind of akin to the 1970s Superman movie, uh, Scarlet Spider shows up at Betty's garden, and, and they talk about the interview. But the sexual tension between them is palpable. But Betty screws it up by saying that she refuses to be a sympathetic ear because she's working on her objectivity which kind of got tested after the recent events of the facade case, which is one of the last times when the facade case will be mentioned, by the way. And probably the only reason why it's mentioned is because Terry Cavanaugh is the guy who wrote it. By the time the Grit Hunter arrives at Betty's Garden, she tells him that she already scared Scarlet Spider away with her whole, oh, objectivity talk. And he's like, I'll let you live, because he might come back for you later. So he continues to follow Scarlet Spider's trail, while Ben is swinging away, thinking about, hey, you know, even though Betty kind of just totally gave me the shutdown, there was some sparks between us. Oh, So, the story continues into No Adjective Spider-Man number 54, where one of the stupidest sequences of the month, Scarlet Spider goes into the Daily Bugle to yell at Ken Ellis for saddling him with the Scarlet Spider name. What? He's surprised that nobody's there at midnight. What? And then he get, and then he starts having flashbacks about the old days with Robbie, Betty, Ned, and Jonah. Then he really starts thinking about Betty. When Jonah flashback, but uh, I guess the word would be flash blocks him because he like interrupts his flashback. Jonah comes in, he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna keep an eye on you, Scarlet Spider." And then Scarlet Spider's like, "Jonah, if you keep on calling me Scarlet Spider, I'm gonna get my lawyers and sue you." And he swings off as Cain watches in the shadows. Take another sip.
3: We're going to be drunk by the time this podcast is over.
0: Only if you're 21 or older. If you're younger, you're just going to, you know, have a sugar rush. The Grim Hunter is monologuing to his father's portrait about how he's going to kill Spider-Man. And his plan is to wait for him to come back to Betty Brant's apartment. And again, he still doesn't know that Scarlet Spider isn't Spider-Man. And he, you know, kind of talks some crazy talk and runs off. And some guy who was entrusted to look after the Grim Hunter, I forget who he was, so I'm just calling him the Grim Hunter's nanny, he looks looks on and he shakes his head. So Ben returns to his little hostel. That was the word I was looking for last month for those cheap places to live, the hostels. He returns to his hostel, and Gabriel's there. She's like, hey, how's your gut wound? And she's not suspicious at all that he's, like, walking around, you know, okay. And she asks him out for a date on a later point in time, and he accepts so Ben is inside of his room, and he's excited and walking on the walls because he's basically scoring between Betty and Gabriel as Kane watches in the shadows. Meanwhile, we had some more development with Mary Jane over in the Web of Death between this and the other story, but we'll talk about that later. Mary Jane is waiting at the doctor's office for her diagnosis. The doctor returns and tells her he has news. What kind of news? What's going on? What's going on? Kane has some internal monologue about his painful life as he beats up some random street thugs. Whatever, that's cool. Okay, so we we cut to Peter and Ben separately lying down. Peter's laying on the rooftop because of the events of Web of Death, which we'll see later, and Ben's sleeping in his little room. And they're both dreaming of clone pods. While Kane is all, while Kane is watching in the shadows. Once again. And there's kind of a symmetry between the three of them, which gives you a clue about Kane's origins, which will be seen later. Ben and Kane both get a really bad feeling, and it makes Ben wake up very uncomfortable. And he gives a panic call to the Seaward Trainer, who he tried to call last issue, but we actually see him this issue. Uh, this is Seaward Trainer's first appearance. Ben tells Seaward that he thinks that his clone degeneration's starting, which how the heck would Ben know about that, but regardless... Tranor says that he'll be in New York soon. So Ben is confused. He changes in the Scarlet Spider and decides to go see Betty. Betty tells him that she took herself off of the Scarlet Spider story so that it won't all be about work. They're about to kiss, but then the Grin Hunter like, fires some explosion thingy at them, and the battle between them begins. We cut to Jacob Raven. He's in New York, and he's looking for the killer of his partner from Utah, Salt Lake City, and he's about to get the fingerprints run. And those of you know who those fingerprints are going to turn out to be. So back to the Grim Hunter. He thinks that the Scarlet Spider is just Spider-Man in new clothes to fool him. Because, yeah, if I was going to fool the Grim Hunter, I would totally wear an identical costume to Spider-Man almost and exhibit the same powers, because that would totally fool him. Ben leads the fight away from Betty's house, so she'll be safe. Ben has no clue what all the talk about avenging his father's death is all about, although it really shouldn't be that hard for him to figure out. And then when he realizes that uh, this is Craven's son, he acts all surprised, like "You're Craven's son? The guy who looks like Craven and acts like Craven and calls himself the Grim Hunter and talks about avenging his father's death is Craven's son?" And then Ben's like, "I'm a different guy. It's not me. I didn't do it." And the Grim Hunter's like, "I don't believe you." And then a minute later, he's like, "You know what? I kind of do believe you. I'm gonna find the real Spider-Man." And then runs off. Oh, Mackie. So the Scarlet Spider goes back to check on Betty. And he's like, I was a fool to try and have a normal life. I'm sorry, as he swings away. And then Betty does the whole cliche, I'm sorry, too." thing. And that's our first two parts of Web of Life.
2: Well, thank you, Bertoni. <laughs> I'll start off with the grades. You know, when I was reading these again, they're setting up so tor- towards this inevitable conclusion. Ben, I- I- at this point, when you-, when you read these in succession, I- I'd be kind of getting tired of the, I'm not a man, I'm a clone you know and, and uh I, I think that that kind of gets old after a while but i like the fact that we got a fight in this in the second issue but the first issue was a lot of setup lots of setup we got kane being kane which is dark and mysterious you got the grim hunter uh being fleshed out a little bit more uh, remember at this point we only had one other prior appearance before this arc full appearance we had some we had some foreshadowing leading up to this arc. He came around in issue 50, uh, it was created by, by Mackie, and Kavanaugh, Mackie, were are tackling this. Kavanaugh, some of the dialogue is weaker, I think, and I wasn't a great big fan of Butler. I think Butler was still trying to find his, was trying to find his groove on, uh, Scrawl Spider. I think the one thing that bothered me the most with Butler was the, was the eyes. Uh, Ben's eyes on this issue. And, uh, Tom Lyle, pretty solid overall. I'm going to give this. A, I'm going to give this as uh, a B minus, simply because nothing really blew me away in these two issues. They weren't blockbuster issues. They weren't. You know, there were some big events that happened, but I'm sure we'll get to that here in a sec. Uh, Jason, what do you think of these two issues?
3: I, I'd probably give them a C. I'm. I'm. I'm not really a huge fan of uh, Terry Kavanaugh. I thought he was probably the weakest writer on the Clone Saga. I do like Howard Mackey a lot, but uh, Grim Hunter just sucks. <laughs> um, and I'm something of about- a Craven the Hunter apologist, but I did not care for Grim Hunter at all. I, I, I like Kane being Kane because I think Kane's a fun character. The, uh, like you said, it was it was basically it was basically set up for Web of Death, with, which is a good thing because Web of Death is a good story. But for the most part, I wasn't all that jazzed about these two issues, so I, I give them a C for both of them.
2: All right, Gerard, what do you think?
6: Well, I'll agree with you on Web of Spider-Man. I think it was about a C level kind of story. There's a lot of really bizarre stuff with Betty that I, I I don't really know what the hell's going on with that. And uh, it, I, I don't know, the first, the Web of Spider-Man issue was kind of disjointed. I mean, I like the beginning part with that sort of James Bond-style opening where he's finding Tombstone. It had nothing to do with anything, but it was cool. Um, as far as Butler, you know, you mentioned that you, you weren't really a big fan of his art on this issue. it's actually the second issue in a row he actually only does breakdowns. So I don't know if it's, I'm beginning to suspect that he might have been behind schedule at this point. In fact, the next issue I think he also has a fill-in, so that probably explains that away. But that first one was about a C. The, the Spider-Man or adjectiveless Spider-Man issue, however, I'm I'm gonna drop an F on that one. That one's just horrible. I mean, it, it it was it was a bunch of filler. I mean, nothing really important happened. I mean, you know, Grim Hunter shows up and it's like, oh wait, never mind. And then he runs away and then you know. Uh, Betty acting all wacky again, you got more of this, uh, oh, it's a clone, and, you know, random stuff, <laughs> like the dude at the top of the stairs who's just like, oh, I messed up raising this guy. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, why why is any of that there, you know? He shows up at the Daily Bugle and then Jonah has this, this stupid conversation with him and then, oh, God, I hated this crap. And, you know, you you, said, you talked about Tom, uh, Tom Lyle's art in this, how you liked it? I'm talking to Zach, specifically, Um, I I hated the art in this issue. And you know what really jumped out at me, specifically, was, and this is really generally a problem that Lyle had, I think in general, but it really stood out in this issue. Either the guy doesn't know how to draw in perspective, or he's just really, really bad at it. (laughs) I'm serious. Look okay. at the background. There's so many buildings that are either out of perspective, just drawn incorrectly, or these really wacky angles that end up not looking right. Okay, uh, it, I can it, see it, that. No, I don't know. I don't want any more of this. I'm done.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of the, the perspective that the opening <laughs> uh, the opening splash page has is really kind of weird. I don't. I don't like the way that that uh, Ben's crouched. I will say that. I mean, look, I've seen some pretty crappy art in my day, i.e. Amazing 611. But <laughs> you on that one. I'll take Tom Lyle over, over whoever the hell that guy was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but honestly, um, I didn't have a whole lot of problem. I, I, I like the fact, I, I think part of the reason that uh, they brought up Jonah is because you have a lot of, this is kind of, them showing Ben at a kind of a back to basics type approach, where they're showing he has all these memories, and they're kind of saying, okay, at at, his, at Ben Riley's core, he's Peter Parker, you know. Um, I'm no man.
6: I'm yeah, but clown. we've had so much of this already. I mean, how many of the previous of, of power and responsibility, especially, was a watch with this, where he's yeah. just like, you know. These aren't my memories, these are Peter's memories, and blah, 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 blah. Well, and, you I mean, know, we're more, like, what, three, four months into the clone saga now? It's still going on with this? Come on. Come well, already. I
5: mean,
2: it's, it's that syndrome of everybody's issues are their first. You know? So I think that's why they're doing it.
0: We had a little less Omno Man stuff, this issue, than we did Don't, the last few months. Yeah, which is, it's... Which, it's is saying a lot.
2: which, I mean, it's starting, to, it's starting to kind of... They're starting to kind of wind that down, okay? We beat that dead horse... To the point where, okay.
0: I'm no horse.
2: I'm a, <laughs> I'm a stallion.
3: <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. That sounds like the first line of a porno. <laughs>
5: uh,
3: I was hoping we weren't going to go there, but apparently I was wrong. Oh,
2: uh,
6: yeah, well. Oh, we will go there every time.
3: That's what makes up a, And we'll bring back souvenirs.
2: Bertoni, what, what were your thoughts on this issue?
0: Okay, well, the Mackie stuff was just horrible. Before I get to that, okay, the Kavanoff stuff. We get our first vision of Mary Jane Dime, which is kind of important. I wonder how much they had Kane's backstory fleshed out here. Cause the monologue seems to indicate that Kane might have amnesia and doesn't remember who he is, cause he's like, he doesn't remember where his name comes from. He doesn't remember his past. And it's like, that's not, that's not
2: it at all. <laughs> but okay. Wait, 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 wait. But he, we never know why he chose
3: Kane.
0: Yeah, hold, hold on. Let me.
2: Cain, no
3: biblical references there. Nope, nope, not at all. Cain. Yeah.
0: Well, I wonder if Cain will be able to figure it out. Okay.
2: Oh, Let's- Christ <laughs> Almighty, jeez, Louise, okay. that was awful.
0: Yeah, let me let me read to you Cain's exact thing. Okay, a there we go. his name is Cain. He no longer recalls if it's a title, born or earned in blood. Whether he Christianed himself or whether he was named by another, he may have known once, but not anymore. See that. That it doesn't come out and say it, but it kind of indicates that this is a guy who doesn't remember his past or has amnesia. At least, if you were reading it and you didn't know anything about Cain, would that not be the impression that you'd get?
2: Oh, hey, it I...
6: definitely seems like that.
2: Yeah, just but, but wait, but wait. When we get to web of web of death, it's really more.
0: Well, what, th- th- that's the thing about different writers. I mean, this was well.
2: This is this is a big problem that
3: Mackie had.
0: I mean, they, they, a, they, they, the Kavanaugh wrote this.
3: Oh, Kavanaugh wrote that? Yeah, I, I'm, I it was I'm smacky. I'm Speaking still... of which, did Kane get super speed as a power? Because he jumps back through, like, all, all these four issues
2: <laughs> without yeah. missing a beat. He, he's borrowing a teleportation device from...
3: from yeah, him. he's like, alright, yeah, now that okay, I've stared
0: at Mary I Jane, I gotta stare at Peter. Oh, and now Dr. Wait, I
2: have to go stare at Ben now.
0: In the okay. shadows. Okay, you drunk yet? Oh. No. I'm on the subject of Mary Jane. That conversation between her and her sister is so hilarious in hindsight. They're like, "I'm so glad that we're good friends again. Yup, we're totally gonna be a big part of each other's lives now. Yup, we're never gonna be out of touch again."
2: <laughs> okay, quit trivia. Quit trivia question, folks. How many times did Gail and Mary Jane interact since
6: Gerard? A trick question. <laughs> I'm gonna go with a zero on that because I think it
2: exactly. Mary Jane
6: wake or something. Right?
0: Yeah, that's, she was uh, at Mary yes. Jane's wake with the, with, uh, with with her kids and Christy, whose name was spelled wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's it. Another,
2: that's another how Mackey Mackie uh,
3: doesn't... You know what, let's murder. not go there.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with
2: oh, and by the way,
0: okay, and the whole thing about the Grim Hunter tracking Ben because he smells like Peter, I have to think that after all Ben's <laughs> been through and the fact that him and Peter have diverted their lives like for about five years at this point... Wouldn't they have at least a different enough stench, due to like being in the different places and different situations? Well,
2: listen, Grim. The Grim Hunter took some hocus pocus LSD acid before he started really hunting these people down. So, uh, yeah, I mean, when you're taking acid, that kind of warps your mind. Okay.
0: And now, my, and my comments about uh, the, the, the 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 Mac. And my comments that yeah, that's right. Buried in the, that's gotta do something. Seriously, WTF. So, and then the Howard Mackey issue. His plan was to track down Ken Ellis in the Daily Bugle and then yell at him for calling him the Scarlet Spider? Really? And then the whole, I'm going to get lawyers because you call me the Scarlet Spider, Howard Mackey, no, 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 Howard Mackey, bad Howard Mackey, bad, 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 bad.
3: Okay, they're not some kid you're, pun- you're no, scolding, okay? No, they are, no. No, this is fail. This is, it is. I'm imagining Bertoni with with thing of water right now squirting Howard Mackey.
0: <laughs> like a cat. Bad Howard <laughs> Mackey, no, you write better dialogue. Uh Speaking of which, now, despite the fact that they might be a little confused about Kane. Origins. You do see some clues here that he's a clone of uh, Peter or Ben, you know, Cain's a clone? Oh, spoiler. <laughs> Even though we talk about it in the other podcast when we review the clone saga mini series. Yeah, I thought about playing it off like we don't know yet, but I mean, F it. We already spoke about it in the miniseries. So but but like that scene where it's Peter and Ben both lying down, and then the third panel's Kane, almost in symmetry with them, I thought that that, that type of stuff is Cool. And Tom Lyle did that art. I don't know if that was suggested to him or not, but if that was Tom Lyle who came up with it, bravo Tom Lyle. Now, I love the character of Betty Brandt, and I love it when they get a situation from her. And my memory of this storyline, I love the whole Betty and Ben thing, but when I was rereading it, I was like, oh my goodness, this is horrible dialogue. Oh my goodness, this is corny. I mean, and both terry and howard were guilty of this the whole like betty and like read it it just it's horrible now i like the idea of it because we've never had a situation where it's been spider-man or Ben a variation there dating a woman um in that way like yeah people say okay well he dated the black cat as spider-man but she was another superhero we've never had spider-man date a normal woman as just spider-man so that's kind of interesting, and it's kind of an unexplored thing, but it's just pulled off so bad here. And I don't know if Terry Cavanaugh in Part 1 was going for a, a Superman 1970s movie thing, but I swear to God, I'm almost ready for Betty to say, can you read my mind? Do you know what it is you do to me? <laughs> like, look at that scene. I mean, are you, is anybody yeah, else I, getting that vibe? I,
2: I am getting that vibe.
0: So, uh, I'm coming down hard on this, and if I'm coming down on it this hard... I'm gonna to have to say a D, which is sad because the last last few weeks I was giving the Arc some high marks because it was like feeling down the earth and good, but this is just
2: stupid. Okay, so we got a D from Bertoni. Yeah. All right, reviewing our, uh, our our grades here, we've got a whopping B plus for me, a C from uh, Jason. We got a C minus for the web story, and a flat out F from Mr. Gerard, <laughs> and um, <laughs> we got Bertoni giving this a D. Really low grades this month, guys. I give the highest grade of the podcast. I'm like Brad Douglas.
3: <laughs> I was afraid it's, I was going to be the harsh one here.
0: You know it's sad when the highest grade's like a B-plus, though? It's a B-minus. B-minus, oh, yeah, come on.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if Brad gives that out, it's pretty much a D. Yeah, yeah.
2: Anyway <laughs> Oh God, that's that's really awful, dude. Okay. So Bertoni, we have our final two issues of this Yes. Uh, we got Web the of we got death. Pe- Web of death, which is spectacular Spider Man number 220, two two and amazing Spider Man number three ninety seven.
0: Yeah, now when we last left Peter, um yeah, let's just do this like, you know, brief recap style. Previously on Spider-Man. That- I'm not Peter Parker. I'm the spider. I'm the spider. Hi, dear devil. Peter Parker's dead. Hi, Peter Park. Hi, Spider-Man. Matt Murdock's dead. We're both dead. Oh, no, a virus? No, I'm really going to be dead. Don't worry. Drink this antidote. That's not an antidote. I'm still going to die. Okay, which brings us to what's
2: going on Such right in child. <laughs> You read these like, well, I'm a little kid, I'm in I'm just gonna throw. A freaking that's how little Peter little said.
0: That's how Peter sounded. It's like Cain is watching go. Peter in the distance. Oh, gotta take a sip already, and thinks about how well he knows Peter, how he knows him real well, and he compares their lives. You know, usual de Mateus, you know, deep stuff. I mean, we're hitting that right off the bat here. I am Cain. This is actually nice f- Spider Man. Now we've been watching Kane, you know, like, you know, stalk Ben Riley for a while. This is our first time seeing him stalk Peter Parker, so so Peter's swinging through the city and he's working through his brain the fact that he's gonna die, and he's stopped short by a flashback of himself or is it himself, in a cloning chamber. It takes him off guard so much that, you know, he it's really hard for him to take. And then the strain of the virus makes him just collapse. And that's when Doctor Octopus comes, and he's examining Spider-Man's unconscious body. See, Doc Ock, he's been watching Spider-Man for a bit, and he's noticed a change in him. And he th- considers finishing off Spider-Man right then and there. He's like, "No, I need to see why Spider-Man is like this." And Doctor Octopus gets a little reflective, and he leaves Spider-Man. As Spider-Man wakes up, say with me, everybody, while Kane is watching in the background. So, we meet Stunner. I thought
3: I was watching in the shadows. Make up your mind. Shadows.
5: It's the shadows.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, we meet Stunner, who's this blonde woman, super hot body, Amazonian type figure. You know, really, really large Amazonian type, you know, strong, hot woman. Huge
2: tits.
3: It's a very realistic portrayal.
0: Yeah, you know, because this is what all women look like. Her origin, when we get to it, it's a very 90s origin, but we'll get to that later. So Stunner walks into a bar and flirts with a group of awestruck men who can't really, you know, get a response to her. And then she's a little emotionally unstable, so she flips out and just about destroys the bar. When Dr. Octopus shows up and he, you know, gives the proprietor of the bar some money so he doesn't shoot her. Although, I think that the guy, you know, was just going to leave them alone once Doc Ock showed up anyway. So, Stunner's getting cozy with Doc Ock at their headquarters, and uh they're clearly a couple, because she's getting a little intimate with him. But all he can think about is Spider-Man. Okay, so she's a super hot woman. She's, like, touching Otto Octavius, like, hey, Otto, let's get cozy. He's like, ah, I can't stop thinking about Spider-Man! Yeah, because Ock, you know, he's got his mind on the priorities. And Ox talking about how Spider-Man's the man who he should be. Yeah, now he's talking about how Spider-Man's the ideal man. Stunner, are you not picking up these signals here? And Stunner's like, you're a good enough man the way you are, Otto. I love you. But then she realizes, oh, whoops, I gotta go. And then she just disappears into thin air, much to Ox's anger. So Mary Jane comes home. This takes place before her doctor's appointment and after, um, you know, Gail's dropped her off at the airport and sees that Peter is still gone and being all emo, I am the spider. She's too exhausted to clean up the apartment and she collapses on their bed. And the way that they do this, it's kind of funny. She's like, the dishes. Oh, Peter's Peter's in trouble and Aunt May's in the hospital. How can I even think about doing the dishes? Like, you know, she she's like being a drama queen to avoid doing the dishes. Come on, Mary Jane. So Peter decides to go home and look for Mary Jane, but then he starts getting more clone pod flashbacks again. He almost falls to his death from the shock of this one, but Stender catches him, only to start giving him a major beating while she's airing her childhood grievances at him about, you know, how she was supposed to behave as a little girl and how she was never allowed to get dirty, because this is J.M.D. Mateus and everybody's got mommy and daddy issues. She then knocks him out as Dr. Octopus approaches, and he's like, Ah, I want to see if Spider-Man was faking his illness to try and lure his enemies out. He's clearly not. There's something wrong with the man behind Spider-Man's mask, as he unmasks Spider-Man to reveal Peter Parker, and he says, And I intend to find out what it is. Which brings us to Part 2 in Spectacular Spider-Man, where Ock is trying to find out what it is. Obviously, at some point between the issues, Ok has realized that this is a virus and he's trying to cure it, so he's at his lair with Stunner, and Spider-Man's strapped to a table and unmasked, and while he's unmasked and unconscious, he's remembering the clone pod again. Ok is struggling to concoct a cure before the virus takes Spider-Man down. Octo is taking this really, really hard because he feels Spider-Man's the man he should be, and he's like, I guess I better call someone in his family to tell him what's going on. So he calls the Parker house, and Anna Watson's there to grab some clothes for Aunt May, and she answers. She doesn't know that she's talking to Dr. Octopus, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry to tell you, but May Parker's suffered a stroke. Which visibly upsets Dr. Octopus, because Siana may kind of have a Ross and Rachel, you know, uh, J.D. and Elliot, you know, type history there.
2: Wow.
0: Yeah. Hey, they almost got married. Okay. <laughs> but that, you know, I'm not going to go there. Never mind. Yeah, they, I'm not going
2: to go there either.
0: They, they, they are in modern-day romance.
2: Gary Conway's worst story ever. <laughs> ever. Period. <laughs>
0: He created Ben Riley, so you should be happy.
3: He's right, you know. (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, Otto sends Stunner out to get some flowers for May, which I'll get into why that's a little messed up later, as Kane looks on in the shadows. Mary Jane, who just learned some good news which this takes place after doctor's appointment now, goes to see Aunt May and the pray that she doesn't die, and then she kind of confides to May that she doesn't know how Peter's going to take the news because he's been acting so weird lately. Yeah, hasn't he? What's up with that? So, Ock comes up with an untested compound, and he's not sure how well it's going to work, but Peter's about to go into cardiac arrest and die, so he's like, oh, well, better test this thing out. So he injects it to Peter, who's all ferial and... Knocking things around, going crazy. He's not aware of his own surroundings. And he escapes from the headquarters and basically knocks Stunner over. Peter almost falls to his death while he's in this weird state, but Dr. Octopus saves him. And while he's doing that, he's like, huh, I remember the first time I amassed Spider-Man and he was Peter Parker and I didn't believe him. Boy, that was crazy. His internal monologue makes it clear that even though he's saving Spider-Man, this is not by any means a reconciliation. Peter wakes up He's in his full costume, mask on and everything. He doesn't remember anything that happened after the fight with Stunner. His fever is gone, and he's a few blocks from his apartment. And he's like, wait a second. I'm going to live. I'm going to live. And he's super excited. Mary Jane is walking home and uneasy about the news that she has to share with Peter. Kane watches in the shadows. And Lug, she, Lug. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone passed out yet. Don't listen to this podcast while you're driving, <laughs> and, and unless you're doing the soda version. And he's thinking about Mary Jane Spain, how she's going to die, and then we get a single manly cane to oh Aww. So Peter starts to have some vague memories of Dr. Octopus helping him, but he's like, nah, that was a hallucination. He returns home at the same time as mary jane was and neither one of them was expecting the other one to be there each one thinks that the other one was mad at them for abandoning the other one and that they're not worthy of each other but they don't say anything about it but they kind of both have internal monologue about it at the same time but they slowly turn to one another and embrace each other in an awesome cool full page and they're clearly about to um you know do something that uh people who love each other do, which is fine, nothing wrong with that, except that we have Dr. Octopus creepily looking into the window, ew, so Dr. Octopus, after watching, Parker hanky-panky, goes back to his lair with (laughs) Stunner. I mean, maybe that's why he was doing it. He's like, that's why he was avoiding Stunner in the last part, because he doesn't know what to do. So he was looking at the Parkers, trying to get tips. But I digress. He's at the lair with Stunner, and he's not happy, because he realizes that this formula is only temporary, and that it's not going to work much longer. So we cut to Peter. He's looking in the mirror. He realizes that the virus is back. And he's like, oh, God, I have to tell Mary Jane I'm going to die. And he's like, Mary Jane, I have some news for you. She's like, oh, I have some news, too. Who wants to go first? So Peter tells her to go first. And that's it. Nothing else happens in the issue.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. I and, bullshit.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mary Jane's like, I'm
2: Praggers.
0: Yeah, she's like, oh, yeah,
2: Peter, I'm Praggers No. She says, congratulations, Tiger. You hit another jackpot. You're about to become a father. We're having a baby! What? His jaw is like on the floor. And he's, he's, like,
0: he's, sucking in his, he's sucking in his gut, too. Look, he's like,
2: oh, what? I'm going to go first on, on talking about this. The story in both issues gets an A. All right? Heck really, yeah. It really, really well written. DeFalco and Demateus were just knocking this one out of the park. But the artwork in 220, spectacular 220, I love me since Abu Simba, but this is where Bill Son of a Bitch, doing his his finishes, very sketchy, very grim, very gritty. I would prefer this issue would have been drawn by Bagley, simply because it would have been a lighter issue, you know what I'm saying? Another um, thing, Doc Ock apparently gains about twenty to thirty pounds in between amazing and spectacular for some reason. Because <laughs> like Bagley's artwork is like slim, sleek, sexy, badass. I mean, you did amazing. not
3: just call Doc Ock sexy.
2: I'm talking about the artwork, dude.
3: Oh, okay.
5: If, if you want
2: my <laughs> yeah, Rod Stewart reference there, buddy. Um, anyway, artwork in amazing. Out of this world, some of the best art. Um, Bagley was constantly knocking this one out of the park. Great, great team. And let me... Uh, Malastet and Bagley were a great, great team. A strong... Uh, the inking was extremely strong. You know you know how, I mean, the... Sabi Sima's artwork and, and uh, Bill Son-of-a-Bitch... How do you say his name, Gerard?
0: Zinkevich. I think we should just call him Bill Son-of-a-Bitch.
2: Kevin, sorry. Bill, Bill, Bill F. Bill, uh, Bill Sinkevich. Uh you can really tell a, a bad anchor will bring a whole will bring something a whole letter grade down for me. And that and this is the case with uh, with Sal and, and Bill's work. Uh ironically enough, Sal and Bill our team that brought over uh, the team that brought my Spider Man together. Sure. And I Yeah. Uh it was uh, well, it's for number two twenty three, very right first book I ever got, which we'll get to in a couple of months. I mean, just, I'm looking at that part and the sound the part, and it's just night and day difference, and uh, the covers even are are uh, better and, and, and amazing than uh, spectacular. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, but other than that, I'm going to give this a a full A. I'm going to give it a solid A. I, I can't give it an A plus because of I, I bring it down a grade for the. Uh, for the Sal Busema artwork, but A-plus for the story, A-plus for Bagley, C for uh, for Sal and Bill. Um, Jason, what do you think?
3: Uh, I'm going to have to ag- agree with you here. Um, Bagley just knocks it out of the park. He's a fantastic artist. He's one of my personal favorites on Spider-Man. Um, the, 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 the art with Sal Buscema, I... I once again, I'm going to agree with you here. I I, I was actually not a huge fan of Sal Buscema when I first started picking up back issues when I was in like when I was like 12, because the first I got was this and him and Bill, son of a bitch. And then and then I saw his older stuff and uh, his Net older stuff so much better. Oh, when
2: he was doing when he was inking his own stuff and he had inkers that were inking his you know.
3: Well, don't get me wrong Sal's one of my favorites these days I, I love Sal but uh the artwork there it's with, with the exception of, of, of MJ cause you just can't screw up a Sal Busem MJ man he can draw her gorgeous but yeah. the storyline I-, I agree uh DeFalco and mateus once again I'm, I'm biased here <laughs> they're two of my favorites uh, I, l- I love Demateus getting all Demateus y on Cain I am Kane, and I know you Spider-Man Better than you know yourself, as you know he watches in the shadows. Um, you you can really see feel the emotion here when you see him, uh, MJ letting Peter know that she's pregnant. It's just it's just I'm gonna give it solid A for both of them. Uh, you know once again won't give it an A plus because of Bill, what is it, son of a bitch? I, I can't pronounce his last name. But yeah, it's, but uh, it's great. I do think DiMatteis and DeFalco are the only people who sh- who should be allowed to write Kane because no one else can seem to pull it off. Well, but, uh, yeah, I won't disagree. <laughs> oh, t- 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 two, mi- two minor quibbles, is that on the mob? Front of 397, it says, The last Spidey Doc Ock saga of all time begins here. Because that turned out to be completely true. <laughs> Doc Ock never showed up again. After this storyline.
2: Yeah, a- that was... Com- <laughs> well... Uh, we'll get to that more next edition, but and we'll talk we'll talk about the reasons more and what happened. But uh, also a one minor note I want to make: Seaward um, Trainer is actually how you say it. Uh, did you say you said it right, Bertani? Didn't you? I think I did. Okay, Seaward Trainer is actually Seaward is the first name of Mackey's father-in-law. Fun fact. Really?
3: Yes, that's an interesting bit of trivia for for bleh, for everybody.
2: Yeah, um, um, it was it. It's actually talked about in the wonderful, absolutely am- astonishing 35.5 part series. It's available online. Life of Riley. Never heard of it. You've <laughs> Never heard of it. If, if you're a fan of the Clone Saga and happen to have never heard of this thing, it's amazing. It's lifeofrileyarchives.blogspot.com. Uh, you can go on there and you can read all 35 parts. It's a it's a, probably an after if you got something if you got an afternoon to kill, then yeah, I would recommend reading this. You got Glenn Greenberg and Andrew Cortez teaming up to do this, and uh, lots of different lots of different parts to this uh, thing, and, and, uh, and everything. that and We're using this as a reference as well. Sorry.
3: Well, yeah, I don't know how someone's a fan of the Clone Saga and hasn't heard of Life of Riley, but the other only minor nitpick, and this is, once again, Bill's fault, is at the scene where you see Kane shedding the one manly tear. For the first three panels, his eye is red. Then his eye turns yellowish orange. I don't know if his eye just turns that because he's crying, or because no, he's, it's, it's the color. It's the color. He's going, Sorry. knowing the miraculous secret which you shall soon reveal. I truly wish I could guarantee your survival. Alas, I cannot. Manly tear. And he's speaking about MJ. But yeah, the 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 scene with Peter and MJ is just fantastic. So hey.
2: Okay. Uh, just, I just pulled it up. The Dr. Seward Trainer was named after Howard Mackey's father-in-law, and he's a pretty intriguing character. I like Seward, and I thought there was a lot of potential for characterization of him. This is Glenn Greenberg talking. Looking back, it's pretty ironic that I ended up writing the last word on him when the Clone Saga finally ended. Glenn Greenberg wrote a uh, one-shot issue called The Osborne Journal, which we will review at the very tail end of the back issue reviews of the Clone Saga. One so. of comments about Mary Jane's pregnancy, was, which was Tom DeFalco's idea, and it came pretty early in the planning stages of the, for the Clone Saga. As editor-in-chief, Tom had approved the Clone storyline in the first place, and shortly thereafter, the Spider-Man group editor Danny Fingeroff urging he ended up as one of the regular Spider-Man writers. At this capacity, Tom proposed that a major dramatic event that would help so, set up the Clone Saga's ultimate resolution would Mary Jane becoming pregnant. It was a ballsy idea, and everyone was excited about it. And since Tom was still the ultimate authority of Marvel at the time, it was safe to say that somewhat the somewhat controversial idea would go through without a hitch.
0: <laughs> yeah, without a hitch at all. Yeah,
2: Boy, have times changed. <laughs> and, and this is this kind of gets back to what I was talking about earlier with the five editors in chief. You have Bob who who is basically having to be the boss of his predecessor. I mean, how how would that be? You know, yeah, because remember, like I just said, this is and this is a direct quote from Glenn Greenberg from Life of O'Reilly, Tom had just became the uh, regular Spider-Man writer of Spectacular Spider-Man. I mean, that's huge. I mean, uh, so I don't know. It's a uh, it's a weird, weird parallel you see there, and I think. Uh,
0: yeah, no comments from the Peanut Gallery, but I'm just going to say this. As an example, that would be like Joe Asada becoming the regular writer on Amazing. Yeah, exactly. All, all, all jokes aside.
2: All joking, yeah. jo- all joking aside, it'd be like if Tom Brevort became editor in chief and he he hired <laughs> Joe Asada to do the artwork for Amazing. So, uh, he'd be the regular artist for Amazing. That would be the that would be the parallel you could draw in, in a modern day sense. So it's it's a it's a very interesting time, and I'm 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 really kind of I've always been kind of curious to hear more about what was going on back back in the day with this, because I think there was probably some hurt feelings among uh, Tom and the higher ups of Marvel. Ultimately, he ended up uh, being um, the writer of Amazing Spider-Man later on, but we'll get to that in yeah. a little bit. All right. So, um, did Gerard did,
0: did Gerard do it yet?
2: Gerard, no. have you given your thoughts? Okay, Gerard, go ahead and give your thoughts. yeah. It's
0: on. Gerard and me
6: and me after him.
2: Gerard, yeah. give your thoughts on the
6: uh, issues. I, I love both of these issues. I'm going to give them an A for amazing and an A- minus for spectacular because of the art. But, man, you know, I, Dr. Octopus is my favorite Spider-Man villain. And in particular, I always love that that white business suit, trim dapper-looking Doc Ock. Oh, I, yeah. I know, a lot of, I know a lot of people get it, like Like, oh, that's the 90s. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. But, oh, man, I love that look for Doc Ock. And it, it recurs again in that uh, Clone Saga issue that we'll talk about later. That came out today, actually, but it, it, I always love that. Um, the, the art for the Bagley issue in particular is just, oh, man, it was great. That first, that first uh, full-page splash of Doc Ock coming on top of the building where you have Spider-Man in his arms it's raining and the tentacles are all slick and you see him with shadow, oh, that's what it's all about. That's why I read comics, man. That's beautiful stuff. Um, and you know, it's the maddest trope to have characters always reflective inwardly and all that stuff, but I really like this characterization of Dr. Octopus, where he's sort of looking back on all the many years that he's fought with Spider-Man and how much of a foil Spidey's been for him. I actually really like that a lot. Um, the only downside, I think, to the story-wise is that, I mean, Stunner looks... It, it's just a bad 90s character design <laughs> in every possible way with the spikes sticking out of the shoulder thing Ugh. but I mean uh, you know at the end of the spectacular issue Mary James pregnant and, and that's you know when they reunite with each other that, that's, that was a very beautifully drawn scene despite Zinkiewicz trying his best to ruin it <laughs> um, and so overall I mean I, I like the story in both issues I like the art for the most part, the amazing one, and kind of eh, in the spectacular
2: one. Uh, yeah, no, uh, that, that's that's great stuff. I like it. Um, uh, you pretty much brought a lot of points that are similar to me. Um, Bertone, what are your thoughts on this issue?
0: Okay, uh, let's see. Now, on amazing, I like. We're getting some clues on Kane's origin. You know, like we were with uh, Web of Life and Web of Death, and some of these clues are actually not. You know, half. You know dim-witted ideas that never went to fruition. They're actually legitimate clues about him being a clone. Now, when Dr. Octopus says, I don't know why I'm getting all reflective all of a sudden, I want to scream to him, do you see who's writing this issue? That's why you're getting reflective. Okay? Now, if you read Stunner's dialogue and her stuff, knowing what we find out about her later, uh, spoiler alert, she's a fat woman controlling a hologram. basically um i don't know how a hologram can like beat you up and do all this stuff and have it was the
2: 90s (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) they 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 didn't know how holograms worked it was like oh virtual reality but like all that stuff about her being like a fat woman like you can see why she's mad about those guys at the bar and you know like kind of her taking out her you know frustration on spider-man i love how like she wrecks the bar And Dr. Octopus just, like, hands over some money to the proprietor. Like, oh, it's okay. Here's some money. Like, come on. (laughs) And, but, like, at one point when Dr. Octopus is, like, talking to Stunner, we almost fall into that early clone saga trope about, like, am I the owl or am I Owsley? Because he says, I've become the persona, not a man. But, like, Stunner cuts him off. And I'm like, thank God. If I have to hear about how he's like, has to choose between his inner octopus or Octave (laughs) I'm going to kill myself. (laughs) And by the way, Stunner's like sitting on the floor in a very provocative pose. And the way that like she's sitting and her costume is, it looks like she's not wearing any pants. It looks like that's like her butt or whatever. She's like, you know, really asking for it. And all Dr. Octopus could do is talk about Spider-Man and what a wonderful man Spider-Man is and how he wishes he was like (laughs) Spider-Man. You know, kind of... And by the way, uh, the whole thing about Mary Jane and the Dishes, I wonder if that mess was, like, caused by Venom when he went looking in the Parker's house last uh, month. Uh, it could be. I love Stunner when she's beating on Peter. She's calling him out on his whining. She's like, oh, you're such a spider infant. Why are you always whining? And it's like, yes, thank you. We're getting some more of these clone pod flashbacks with Peter, which... um Obviously, you know, the plan was at this point, Peter's the clone, but now that Peter's uh, not the clone we know, why is he getting these flashbacks? Uh, Who knows? There's probably some half-A explanation. And for the spectacular issues, I will love this cover until the day I die with Mary Jane like, hey, I got a surprise for you. You want to know what it is? You want to know what it is? Why don't you open the book? Buy the comic. You'll see what the surprise is. Turn to the last page. Okay, now Dr. Octopus he finds out that his ex fiancee is in the hospital dying so he gets his current girlfriend to buy flowers for his ex fiancee and deliver them
2: yeah that's kind of that's kind of a <laughs> Dick move, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and but, like, but, while, but while Stunner's doing it, all she can think about is how awesome Dr. Octopus is. She's like, wow, that's so nice of Otto giving flowers to this person. He's such a nice person. And it's like, dude, he's making you deliver flowers to his ex-fiance. <laughs> uh, I do love how Dr. Octopus remembers the unmasking from issue 12 of Amazing, where he's like, ah, oh, you're not Peter Parker. Now, by the way, when um, Peter swings away, realizing that he's going to live, he's singing the song Flying Trapeze, and during the early Lee Dicko days, that was a song that he would sing a lot when he was fighting villains and, you know, doing his little flips and stuff. Yeah. So, uh now, Mary Jane's pregnancy, this is going to be... This is really, really big. This is a game-changer, no matter in which ways you look at this. And it kind of gives the clone saga this sense of, you know... This is real stuff. This is...
2: Anything ridiculous. can freaking happen. Yeah. That's, not I think it's there, going to be the same. There is no sacred cow here. Okay? that That's the thing that I think people liked most about. The people that have liked the Clone Saga have liked most about this. And the people that have talked down the Clone Saga, i.e. writers and artists that were not, probably not involved with the Clone Saga. Some of them were, some of them weren't. Anything could happen. And I think that's why it was selling like hotcakes, was you had this mentality Because at this point, it's one of the best selling stories that Marvel's had. Okay? (laughs) Place in Secret Wars. Yeah. Um so you got this story selling like hotcakes.
0: Unfortunately, you know, later on the pregnancy was one of those things where Look, like it or not, and we like it, and we would have, and I I think I can speak for us when I say we would have loved for them to have seen this story through, for whatever the reason, the people at Marvel decided when the things changed that this was something that they had to get rid of, and it wasn't an easy thing to get rid of, and the pregnancy and Mary Jane would become a big problem when they were trying to figure out the resolution of the Clone Saga. Yeah. But like it or not, it's a game changer, and it happens here, which is awesome. Yeah, Um,
2: this, this particular issue is not available. It's It's probably one of the more important issues you're going to read in Spider-Man's history. Um, I would rank it up there with – I mean of the 90s. We got the, yeah. uh, um, of course, Amazing 400, which we'll get to in a couple months.
0: Uh, ah, that's been undone. So's this.
2: Yeah, this issue, the Amazing 400... um, The Death of Harry Osborn... Oh, wait, that's been undone. (laughs) All these 90s events that happened in the 90s have all been undone. Gee, I wonder why. Um, But we also got the Death of Harry Osborn, you mentioned that. Uh, I also will bring up the... uh, of course, Peter Parker, Spider Man number, number seventy five. That's a huge event in, in Spider Man's life. Can we
0: undo uh, that? I, I don't mean like I'm
6: that, but I mean melting. like you know.
0: And melting. Oh, no, yeah. I'm melting.
6: <laughs> now, so, yeah. Nobody, but, you, but you're right about that. You know something I actually remember from this time period. I, I don't know if you guys had this, but it, you know, in New York, Spider Man's our guy. You know. So a lot of the time, there's some, you, know, you mess
2: with one of us, you mess with all of us.
6: Oh, don't even go there. I hate we it. We
2: found
0: something.
6: But uh, It's like I the actually, exact opposite attitude of Detroit.
0: Don't worry, we won't
1: tell nobody.
6: <laughs> I actually specifically remember during this period that when this issue came out, I mean, Spectacular Two Twenty, it was it was in an article in the in the New York Post and the Daily News, and they had it was, it was actually as like a. Uh, it wasn't one of those big articles. It was like a half-page article. It's like Spider-Man's gonna be a dad. I thought that was so cool when yeah, I was, was a little sh- kid. Now,
2: oh, that, uh, yeah, I mean, well, this is. I mean, okay, you got Batman's gets his back broken. Superman is dead.
0: Reset. Reset.
2: Peter Parker's gonna be a dad. And reset. those were three reset. huge news comic-related news stories that were going on at the time. And you bring up this great, great point.
0: Green Lantern has a nervous breakdown and kills the Green Lantern Corps. is replaced by a teenager.
2: Okay, dude, that wasn't even huge, okay. That wasn't even huge. Okay.
0: That was that was pretty huge. You can argue that that was huge.
2: Okay, it's not Superman, Batman, and Spider Man.
0: Uh, yeah, that's it's, true. It's
2: not it's not the holy trinity of comics.
0: Sorry, Kevin.
2: <laughs> uh, I mean, but really, I mean, you you have the three, top three most popular characters in comics are or, or top five Archie. Uh, arguably number one because he's been around forever. It seems like Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, and I would wager the fifth one's kind of up for debate. I would say you know uh, Wonder Woman, maybe.
0: Maybe it, it, it really depends, and we can argue that till the cows come home. But uh, I mean, at least the top four are going to be Archie, Spider-Man, Batman, and Superman. Yeah, now They're recognizable. You mentioned hotcakes before. I want to bring up something about hotcakes. At the end of um, part one, in Amazing, Dr. Octopus, he's about to bring Peter back to his lair. At the beginning of Spectacular, he's in the lair working on the formula. I think in between those two issues, Dr. Octopus got about, you know, 10 pounds of hotcakes <laughs> oh. and ate them all. Because he goes from skinny, lean Dr. Octopus, and I like skinny, lean Dr. Octopus, to tubby
2: Well, that's probably because that how him really yeah. so fast.
0: Yeah, well, he he's gonna get some slim flash just in time for part three and amazing for the, the next podcast. Yeah, he, he's gonna be slim again, but then he's gonna be chubby just in time for spoiler alert, Kane to you know kill him, which is never gonna be reversed at all. Yeah, never. But anyway, yeah. To sum uh, it up, oh, go ahead.
3: I detect sarcasm. Sum it up there. Well, yeah. To sum
0: it up, love this art. Uh, not really happy about Bill, but he could not ruin that ending sequence with Peter and Mary Jane for me. Even with Dr. Octopus creepily looking in and walking away, that was kind of like, you know, kind of foreboding the doom of what was going to happen. But the writing was good and top notch. I mean, I'm going to say A plus all the way.
2: All All right. So we got an A plus.
0: We didn't have any of this. Am I the octopus or am I the man? Am I the pregnant woman or am I the supermodel? Well, I'm not Peter. Stop. Parker. I'm not Peter Parker.
2: I command you. Okay. All right. We get it. Didn't like the demon Oh man, 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 poor pitiful me. Crap. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I'm so sad. You cry now.
2: You cry now. <laughs> to- uh, anyway, so Jason, what was your grade? Uh, A, A for both of them. A for both of them. Um, A plus for A plus for Bertoni. A minus for overall for me. <laughs> Gerard, what was your grade again? I had an A or an A minus? A and A minus. So we'll give it a solid A. How's that? So yeah. a, oh, yeah. a, A minus, A plus, and A. All four A's this month. A, 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 resounding thumbs up for this particular art. And uh, amazing and spectacular. If you're going to pick up, if this is your first Clone Saga book, this would be a great place to start. A great Spider-Man story. Very little reference. I mean, obviously we have Kane in the background. But no no references to Ben Riley. This is just pretty simple, straightforward, with the exception of king, who plays an integral role, obviously, in the second half of this story. But great, great work by all those guys. DeFalco, DiMatteis, Bagley, Bill Skilovich's, uh, Sienkiewicz, I'm sorry, Sienkiewicz, and and Sabi Simas. So what a way to end out the look back on... uh, the Clone Saga, but we're going to look forward. We're going to look to, to, to actually today, uh, as we're recording this, the newest issue of Clone Saga, the miniseries, has come out. And uh, as such, it's our duty and our privilege to get to review it. Literally just blew out the shelves. Some big, big events happening in this, in, in this book, and I'm going to give the rundown for you. We start off with uh, kind of have a jump. You know, we kind of complain. Some people on this podcast kind of complain about the jump between... Uh, it wasn't between. so
0: bad this time, though.
2: This was not a huge jump. This was a jump to Ben Riley in his own Spider-Man costume uh, that he created, which is a costume that he would actually use in the Clone Saga, and a conversation between Dr. Octopus, which actually never, ever happened in the Clone Saga. This is something completely new. We never saw Otto Octavius face off against Ben. Um, we saw his successor, or would be successful, phase off against Ben, but never Ben and and uh, Otto phasing off each other. So this is a really cool moment for the miniseries. And there's a fight scene between the two and Ben doing his his best while still questioning if he's, you know, if he's right to be Spider Man. Um, we also get a full appearance of the Daily Grind supporting cast. We got Buzz, the, the regular local that likes to read the newspaper. We got Devin and Shirley, the, the mom and the son who own the uh, coffee shop. And we get, uh, get a little bit of a forward movement with Ben's social life as well. Um, now, Kane and, spoiler alert, Dr. Octopus are working together. Um, what? Yeah, Kane and Dr. Octopus are working together. And Kane is pro- uh, promising mentality. Ben, on the other hand, is taking a night off. But we get our very first um, reference to Elizabeth Tyne, who becomes very, who is a very integral character in Ben's backstory. And ironically enough, yes, she's a vibrant redhead. <laughs>
3: I'm sensing uh, a pattern.
2: Yeah, and Ben, you know, he's like, oh, well, that's relatively painless. Beth was the girl on the date's name, uh, but it kept reminding him of. Elizabeth, so it was a little awkward. And then, of course, we get Ben having times of having a bit of self-doubt, and then he has no time for self-doubt. He said, I finally detected a pattern of Doc Ock's thefts, because apparently Doc Ock is stealing stuff again. And we get another confrontation between Doc Ock and Ben. Suddenly, we get Kane showing up, and uh, just as a... And this is awesome that we're talking about this right now, because, uh, spoiler alert, next month we're going to be talking about the... Uh, death of Dr. Octopus, quote-unquote, and it's delivered by Kane, and he snaps Kane's, uh, Dr. Octopus's neck and then gives him the mark of Kane afterward. This, completely diverts from that, we have Ben showing up right in the nick of time, uh, Kane recognizing that he's, that Ben has taken over, um, Ben questioning how he knows this, quick fight scene between Kane, Kane then uses Doc as a ploy to escape, and uh... Ben saves Dr. Octopus's life, which is kind of a reversal on the Web of Death storyline Good stuff. And then, of course, we have a big, big, big final page of the Mysterious Employer talking to the... Uh, what? Yeah, and uh, the Mysterious Employer, Kane's talking to him again, and it's pretty damn obvious who it is at this point if you haven't figured it out. Uh, but we, the guy in the other pod, everybody's wondering who the guy in the other pod was. We finally do get his fate. We do get his face, and it's the face of Norman Osborne. It's Norman. It's Norman, yeah. It's is, Norman. It, but it's, okay, people are like, oh, wait. Uh, it's Miley.
5: It's not Miley,
2: it's Norman. No, it's, it's, it's Norman in the pod, and it's a pretty much, we, we guessed it last time, but it, it pretty much is now, probably Harry Osborne, the benefactor, unless... Marvin's gonna clone himself, which is entirely possible. We're getting a lot of diversion between the original saga and this. This is where really things are going completely different. Um, we've had a lot of different things, but I mean, this is a huge diversion. None of this, none of these stories, none of this, no parts of this story actually happened in the original Clone Saga. So this is where it's really a great, a great pickup. Uh, I'm gonna give it a a plus from me. Seeing Ben in his costume is great enough. Uh, one minor, I have one minor quibble. and one of the things that I always liked about about um, in particular, Bagley. Bagley always drew Ben's costume where the, the webs were a little bit more spaced out. I didn't like a whole lot of like a smaller web pattern on Ben. I felt it didn't really fit his costume. I felt like a larger web pattern was, was well built. And uh, Todd Knock did the smaller one. It didn't bother me greatly, but I, it was more of a um, if you look at Luke Gross's early work on uh, Ben's costume, in his early work on Spider-Man, uh, it's really kind of more of a, a quote-unquote clone of that. So it's really heavily influenced on that particular part of, of Ben Ryan's costume. So, anyway, I'm going to take it to the panel. And Gerard, what are your thoughts on this issue? I
6: loved this issue. It was great. Um, first of all, I, like I said before, Ock in the, in the white suit looking a little trim. Uh, I always love seeing that. <laughs> Ock is great. Um, but... The really cool thing about this issue, I was going to go ahead and say it, complete divergence from the original. I mean, like, you know, outside of having Ock and, and Kane confront each other, I mean, it's a completely different story. We have Oc working on, you know, uh, working from the Jackal Notes, picking up where he left off when he died. And I, I just thought that was really interesting. I mean, it's going in a completely new direction now, I guess, for the second half of the, the miniseries. Uh, great art, of course. Um, Peter preparing for his new life was something interesting to look at. Um, we didn't, I mean, the way it was handled in the original Clone Saga was a little clumsy. You know, he went away, and then he came back. And this time, they're in New York firmly. He's looking for a job at the university, and it's a natural way for direction for Peter to go.
2: Yeah. Uh, the time I, really didn't hit that. I really didn't hit that piece up, because I knew it was going to be talked about pretty yeah. heavily in the, uh, in the reviews. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another time
6: jump But it's not a big deal So it's not much of a con I, I kind of give a pass on that um, The one kind of problem I had Was Doc Ock not seeing that Kane ter- would turn on him He kind of had to suspect I mean two villains working together I mean, One always has to suspect The other one's going to turn on him And Kane turns on Ock And just beats the crap out of him really quickly I mean that kind of surprised me But overall A I mean it was very good I'm still saddened by the fact that nobody's reading this because the sales numbers are plummeting. I mean,
2: it's well, I mean, it, it, well, it's it's because it's a pretty average for a, a miniseries. It's not an event. Um, I'm I'm imploring you, if you can, if you will, if you will pick up as many copies of this issue as you possibly can and and uh, help drive the sales up. Remember, the uh, guys are not ordering this. Those sales numbers, I want to point this out, the sales numbers that we're seeing are the orders that are being placed by comic book shops. Go to your comic book shop today if you can, if you can get it. Um, they're making the orders for probably the final issue coming up pretty quick. Um,
0: Only you can prevent forest fires.
2: You, if you really want to see the sales go up and, and the numbers that we're getting go up, implore your comic shop to at least do an extra copy. Or an extra two copies to put on the shelf, and uh, get it for your friends if they're, if they're if they're disenchant Spider-Man fans, which there are a lot of, there are a lot out there, and there are a lot of guys that are enjoying Spider-Man. If you're enjoying Spider-Man, or even if you're disenchanted, check this, this stuff out. This is completely different than what we got uh, this past the first three issues. This is huge, and um, like I say, the final quarter, uh, order cutoff dates are, are coming up pretty quick for the sixth issue. Which, too late for the fifth issue, but. Try to see if you can get some more orders in for the uh, for the next issue, and uh, maybe we can get the sales up on this thing because because uh, it's it's too good to pass up. And if you don't get the if you don't get the singles, I implore you to get the trade. All right, uh, that kind of is my big public service announcement for the <laughs> podcast. So, uh, Gerard, did you have any more thoughts? That was it. I'm good. Okay. All right. Uh, Bertoni. Okay. Well.
0: One thing that I want people to keep in mind when they're reading this issue is uh, you're gonna assume that when that what Harry's doing is cloning Norman, I don't think that that's what's going on here because notice a few times in the issue they make a distinction. They mention cloning and they mention reviving and immortality as separate things. So maybe I'm just gonna totally be wrong next month. But it looks like there's something else aside from cloning going on here. Really interesting. Just thought I'd, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, the time skip isn't as dramatic. And it's not like last issue where, like, everything just happens at once. Things have kind of taken a different pace. So um, I'm liking,
2: like, yeah. It seems like every issue is, has its own little bit of a pace. It's, it's not – these could – I mean, they're, they're all tied together. They're not really tied together now. Uh, the last issue, and, the, and issue two and issue three were pretty, pretty well connected, but this one's kind of a, you kind of have a disconnect. It's kind of like it's kind of rebooting. Yeah. And retooling.
0: Well, that's okay, because, you know, you don't need to see, you know, Ben change costumes and Peter be like, well, I'm going to apply to a university. I, yeah, mean, I mean, you know. Now, but speaking of that, one weird thing. You get Peter, he's like, oh man, this is as hard as fighting Galactus, right? Mary Jane, yup. And that little symbiote in your belly. Do you really want to talk about symbiotes right now? They're mentioning all this stuff like Galactus and symbiotes. And then, at the end of the scene, we turn around, and Aunt May's been sitting with them the whole time.
2: Yeah, that was kind of one of those things It's actually in the preview of the, of the issue. And uh, it's it's one of those things that, I, if you know the Clone Saga, it's pretty well implied that Aunt May is known for a while. Um, I would venture guess, and I'm going to agree with Glenn Greenberg. He he, he guessed since at least Amazing Two Hundred, which makes she's sense. known, which really makes sense if you read that if you've read that book. So I mean, she she knows. I I I don't think they're going to sit there and say, well, Aunt May, you know. I mean, it's going to be something that, that's going to keep you roped in because obviously that's kind of an unresolved plot thread that we have.
0: Yeah, Aunt May's just thinking. Oh, Peter's talking all this silly stuff. I don't know what's going on
5: because.
0: I mean, obviously, in Clone Saga continuity, original, yeah, Aunt May knew. Um, I just thought that that was like, you know, something kind of noteworthy here. Yeah. um, I liked how they did the whole thing of Ben doubting himself because he, you know, he hasn't been at this for a while. And, you know, like Peter did, which is what they did with Ben when he became Spider-Man. But the way that they had him go through it, the whole thing with Dr. Octopus kind of, you know, echoing his thoughts, being like, you're not Spider-Man, you're not Spider-Man. And then when he saves Dr. Octopus, it's like, why'd you do that? He's like, I'm Spider-Man. That's a great That moment. was good. That it's was good. And that moment, sound was, was me doing like, you know, a singular clap in the
2: background. Well, I, I think, um, you know, I, I talk about in the Clone Saga Chronicles, the written series, which I'm going to get to, don't worry. Um I talked about how there's a certain part where the graduation of Ben Riley has begun, and I think as Spider-Man, this is where Ben has graduated into being Spider-Man. You can really accept the fact that he's he's not he's not only his own man, but I'm he is Spider-Man. Yeah. I'm a man. I'm forty. Um, Spider-Man's actually forty-five, but oh well. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, uh, continue on, Bertani. Yeah,
0: so I'm going to give this, um, let's, let's give it a A minus. I mean, I didn't find as much wrong with it. I like how they're continuing the Jackal's research. There's some intrigue going on here. The pacing's a little better. It's not as crowded. Um, you know, if you're going to kill the Jackal off, like after him being dead for all these years, and then just like completely sweep him under a rug, I like how it's not just over like that. He's still got his research. There's still all this stuff going on with Kane and Osborne, so it's good.
2: It's good okay and uh, our final panelist to talk about the phone block issue Mr. Jason
3: um, well to start off I'm going to say uh, I actually bought two copies of this uh, each issue so far and I've been pimping it to my friends who are disenfranchised Spider-Man fans I've been enjoying it thoroughly uh, that's just a really cool cover I, I think I really love the whole Scarlet Spider and Spider-Man fighting Doc Ock even though they don't do it together but uh, I'm also with Gerard here, seeing opening, you know, the first page and it covers
2: seeing, a pack of lies.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. it is a recurring theme, isn't it? It's, it's true. Um, seeing Doc Ock and have the we had a singular
0: again, cover that's actually come to fruition? No,
3: no, no, no we what, haven't. What was the cover to the first issue?
2: It was just Peter and Ben kind of going at it. That, okay, know, that actually that actually was reflected in the issue. You know what?
0: I don't care. But was Ben in costume?
2: Ben was not in Scarlet Spider's costume, though.
0: No. Was he in the costume on the cover, though? Yes, he was. Then it was a lie.
3: It was a lie. Continue on. <laughs> seeing Doc Ock in the white business suit uh, just brought a big grin to my face, and uh, you know, I, you know, getting to see it, we're seeing Ben come into his own as Spider-Man here. I thought one of the best lines is Doc Ock saying, "What is it? What have you changed?" and Ben just shoots back, "I'm using a new hair conditioner." You know, that's just classic Spider-Man right there. <laughs> uh, I, I really like the little yeah, the part where you know Aunt, if, if if you don't know the Clone Saga, Aunt May just accepting it's a little odd, but you know it's kind of creepy. But the part where Peter calls you know their baby the little symbiote growing in, in in your belly, I thought that was kind of sweet in a creepy sort of way. Uh, <laughs> and, and and here here's the thing that I thought was really interesting about this issue. Um, while I admit to liking the Clone Saga, I, I was never really that big on Ben Riley supporting cast, this, I never really cared, but in this issue, I, I really liked it. I thought it was interesting seeing, you know, what Ben's life was like outside of the spider costume, and, you know, I, I think Howard and Tom are, you know, really getting the pace of everything, and, yeah, it was just an all around great issue, and, uh, I agree with everyone. A, I, I'll give it an A+. plus. Go out and buy this. And if you haven't bought this, why haven't you bought it already? Go buy it now. <laughs> Alright, so A+. plus. Yes. Uh, okay, so uh has Everyone our, our given final, it
2: Everyone has given this one an We have a, a, a complete consensus here. This is this is good. This is great. This is made of win, made of awesome, not made of suck. So go out and buy it today. And if you haven't bought the singles, go buy the trades. It'll be available, I believe, in February? What's we'll I say? February? March. Yeah, probably. February, March. Uh, pretty much, good. I mean, they're going to be available to, uh, to, uh, pretty quickly. I'm really good about making these available trades, uh, pretty quickly after the issues have come out. So, check it out. For Tom Buffett, whenever you our Alright, guys, that round wraps up the reviews. Now we're going to get on to our next, next area of what we usually do. And, uh, we got some voicemails this time. And, uh, apparently threatening to kill <laughs> Hannah Montana. You know, is what brings people out. I don't know. She's, she's, she's a money maker, guys.
0: She's, our, she's a national treasure. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: Our next caller, next bull smeller, is from, Mr. Is, uh, from uh, I believe, Nashville, Tennessee, I want to say. His name is uh, Donovan Morgan Grant, a.k.a. Donald Mark. Hey, guys. This is Donovan Morgan Grant, a.k.a.
4: Donald Mark on the forums. Just calling to let you know that I enjoy the podcast and listen to it every time it comes out. Okay, that was pretty uh, pretty nerdy. Yeah, I, I yeah I like the show. It's pretty good. Um, I just listened to the last the latest one last night, which is the fourth one, I believe. And I heard uh, Spiderpool Pool leave a message. So, taking a cue from Bertoni, I killed him and took the number so I get, you know let you know how I feel about the show and keep it up. The good work. Keep it up, Brandon. Keep it up, Gerard. Keep it up, Josh. Keep it up that other guy. I don't know who he is. He's a very forgettable person, but y'all keep up the good work and um, you, have a, you have a lifelong fan in Don and Mark. So um, from Spickering Web's podcast, it's your fan signing out.
2: Thanks, Don, for uh, forgetting me because I'm pretty forgettable, I guess. But I'm really glad you're enjoying the Chronicles, <laughs> nevertheless, and uh, we really do appreciate every single listener we have. Without you, we wouldn't be doing this. And... Uh, uh, I have been checking out spectacular webs, so there you, there's your plug for you, buddy.
0: <laughs> your um, webs are quite spectacular.
2: Our next caller is, is, is called in with a question, and uh, here it is.
4: Hey, uh, I'm leaving a message for the Clone Guys. Uh, I hope to leave you more messages in the future because I, I'm a very old, old time Spidey fan, and I remember the Clone Saga pretty well. Um, I thought it was an important part of history because the original Jackal story, I think, was a huge part of Spider-Man history. But uh, real quick, because I don't have much time, I wanted to ask a question. Um, this always bothered me during the clone saga, but <clears throat> to figure out who the real clone was, why didn't they just use a Geiger counter and see whose blood had radioactivity? Because a clone would be a perfect representation with the mutated abilities and the mutated features of someone who's been mutated by radioactivity, but it wouldn't possess the actual radioactive isotopes. That would be impossible for to do during cloning. But uh, that always bothered me, and I never heard it addressed during the whole clone saga, which, you know, I understand why, because that would have been about three panels worth of stuff, and the story would have been over. But, okay, that's about it. So you got a call, you got a question, so don't kill a puppy. But if you were going to kill Hannah Montana... Just ignore this call and go ahead and do that. Um, thanks, guys. Uh, Mr. Mutant Larry on the, uh, the crawlspace board. So talk to y'all later. Bye.
2: Okay, sir. Now, this is this is a very interesting question. I, I, I love this question. And for Tony, you're going to back me up on this. And, guys, feel free to chime in, too. But uh, my understanding was the DNA at the structural level was altered when you have the combination of the bite and the radioactivity. Those two things combined together to completely alter his DNA. So Peter's DNA at this point was stable because remember you already had the uh, mutation with the arms and stuff like that. It's it's stabilized. So it's assumed that Warren and had gotten that DNA and it, it, it just that's the way I've looked at it. That yes, you have radioactivity in the blood, but that same radioactivity at the at the DNA level is going to be there for Ben as well. Does that kind of make sense to you? If not, of course, feel free to call back in with the number for Tony.
0: My simple explanation, which sounds stupid, was this: when they cloned him, they cloned the radioactivity too. That sounds stupid, but you know what? It's comic book
2: science. It's a fairly assu- it's assumed that we have a radio that Warren put an extra, possibly put an extra dose of radioactivity in his clones. To possibly stabilize them or possibly recreate the accident to create inspirement.
0: All right. Now, that number, if you want to call us, you take out your phone, look at those numbers. Those are some nice numbers on there. Why don't you press some of them? You can do a 2, a 0, and a 6. When you're done with that, you can do some 339 after that. Then finish it off with some nice 557 five, and a 0.
2: That's two, six, 3, 3, Five five seven zero.
0: Wait 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 wait. Did you say three three six?
2: Three three nine.
0: Yeah. Okay. Just making sure here.
2: Shada. All right, and we have a very very special person to read our, our latest iTunes review, and Jason, uh, would you please read your uh, the iTunes review?
3: Yes, uh, our, our iTunes review is by a, a, po- a poster of ours named Berserk Fury eight one nine. I thought it was Berserker uh, Fury. <sighs> yes, and it's spelled with a Z. Uh. I've run into this guy before. He's a little weird, so here we go. This is a lot of fun. It's informative, funny, and the four hosts are all really cool guys, except for their creepy obsession with Hannah Montana. And Josh really needs to, start to stop killing puppies. If he wants to kill kittens, that would be fine, because cats are spies for the Martians, and they're reporting our weaknesses so that they can conquer us. Keep up the good work, and remember, life could always be worse. You could live in Detroit. <laughs> well I, I would like to point out that B- Berserk Fury 819 is clearly insane and nothing he says should be taken seriously
0: so I can just go ahead and finish you know snapping this puppy's neck and giving it the mark of Bertone
2: alright anyway um, in our our final our final voicemail is from Steve J. Rogers He's a familiar voice that you might have heard before if you had heard our last episode so uh, here he is
5: Hey guys, it's Steve. um thinking of a late suggestion for the podcast. Uh, something like doing a This Month in Marvel, alongside at new inside uh, and you do all the reviews and wrap-ups. Uh, I think you want know, take a of what was going on um, in the rest of the Marvel U at the time that the um, that you used came out. For example, I'm only the onslaught. The onslaught went um, going on in the X-Men tunnels at the time. Um, you know, it came right just before the Heroes Reborn um, fun art for new vendors, and the Fantastic Four. So. Lots of interesting things were going on the in the runway, mid-1990s in Land. And this would be interesting to uh, take a small peek at what was going on alongside the whole, uh, the uh side uh, in these tiny titles. Anyway, this uh, thought that would be a an good idea. Anyway, see you, uh, talk to you guys soon. But uh, so Thank you, Steve.
2: Um, now you're asking if we're going to do a Mary Marvel Marching Hour with uh, what was going on with the Marvel Universe during the '90s, which we kind of hit up with uh, with Daredevil. And but I feel like that there was such a disconnect between the titles at the time. Uh, you had everybody kind of going off in their own pocket things to coincide with the fact that they have five different editors and chiefs. That I really, unless it's story important, if it's important to the story, then we'll talk about it. If it's not important to the story, then I really don't need to reference it. And uh, I'm going to be talking a lot more about what's going on behind the scenes, like the little fun fact of Seaward Trainer's uh, father-in-law, uh, father-in-law, Seaward's father-in-law. Of Howard Mackey. Those little fun facts I'm going to throw out there, but I, I mean, we. we if the podcast is long enough as it is. I, I just feel like that we would be adding a lot more content, and with four reviewers plus we're reviewing any current stuff that comes out. You know, it's it's long enough. I don't want to add any more t- any more people's time. What's going on?
0: And the problem is, if, if we didn't read Avengers for that particular month, or Daredevil, or the only other Marvel book I was really reading in the '90s that wasn't Spider-Man related was Fantastic Four.
2: Yeah, and and, uh, and to me, I think what brings this podcast to another level is that we have our own personal experiences. Um, Drew has a great had a great story this edition where he's talking about the newsstand and, and reading in the Daily News or the Post that spider Man's having a baby. You know those those little those little things. It, I didn't read anything but Spidey. This was this is my introduction to Spidey, this this era of Spider-Man. So I didn't read anything else, and I really don't read. I mean, I read the Avengers books now, but I don't. I didn't read them back then, certainly. And so I don't want to sit there and yeah, I'm knowledgeable on the subject of Clone Saga. I'm not knowledgeable on these other things. So I hope that makes sense. I hope we don't disappoint you, but that's that's our that's our reasons for doing it.
0: Yeah, and obviously, if he's crossing paths with someone, like, you know, we'll talk about Onslaught a little bit when we get up to that, because there is going to be an Onslaught crossover.
2: Yeah, there's uh, two issues, uh, Peter Parker and Amazing both crossed over, and then there's the Aftermath issue that crossed over out in Amazing as well. So, Yeah,
3: thanks uh, a lot, Bob Harass.
2: <laughs> Harass. It's Harris, but uh, we'll, talk about,
0: oh, we'll talk about Here's something that did go on. November 1994, that's the month that we're doing, right? Yes, sir. Does anybody remember what happened in November 1994 that was very important in Spider-Man history and in the histories of our childhood? No. Oh! Fox Kids. The first, the Fox f- Kids. That's right. The first episode. I just checked this um, on, on another source, uh, Wikipedia. <coughs> Wikipedia. November 19th, they did their first episode.
2: That was the Night uh, of the Lizard.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, uh, that's Night of the Lizard.
2: The Night of the Lizard. They did, they, did a, they did a kind of a pilot test. And uh, they did it. And it a climb time thing, wasn't it? Wasn't it a primetime time command?
0: I couldn't tell you.
2: I'm pretty no, sure it was, no, it, they did it was. I thought they did it twice. I thought they did it for the first episode and then they did it for the uh, final episode. The I remember
6: No, no it, aired, it aired on Saturday morning. I remember that.
2: Okay. All right. So it airs on Saturday morning. Big, big event. Obviously, this is the start of one of the, of the highly regarded uh, Foxy Kids uh, Spider-Man the Anime series. Um, well regarded there you know, Regarded I, I among think, us. Yeah, well regarded among us. Some people don't like
0: What's it. What's the catchphrase it. of our show? I mean, come Mary
2: on. Jane. Mary Jane. Mary Jane.
0: I just wanted this the, this episode too. This is, I mean, you have, Ed, uh, you know, Hank Azaria, who he sounds like it's the guy who does a lot of voices on The Simpsons, and he sounds specifically like Mo when he's doing Eddie Brock. He's trying to, you know, you know, kind of break the story of Kirk Connors as the lizard. And he, like, Spider-Man webs him in that first episode. You can't do this to me! I already have! And then Aunt May at the end. Oh, my, you took this picture by going into the sewer. Oh, you better take a shower now. I'm going to have to wash all your clothes. And he's like, Aunt May. And then Deborah Whitman. She's in that episode. Cheater! Deborah Whitman, the little sister I never had. Or wanted. Yeah. We uh, anyway. we didn't get Felicia or Mary Jane till uh, a few episodes later.
2: Yeah, but okay. You guys can actually check out that episode on Marvel.com. They've been uh, <laughs> posting all the episodes of the 90s Spider-Man series. So, or you can actually go to the Spider-ManCrawlSpace.com website. Yeah. All right, guys. That about wraps this episode up. Um, we'll uh, we didn't have an email, but the email is Clone soccer Chronicles at gmail.com so check us out there you can also become a fan of us on Facebook uh, be sure to check out spider.com we'll have more updates as the time goes on and um, I want to thank for Tony of course Gerard and Jason for helping me on this episode and from all of us to all of you happy have a Merry Christmas and happy holidays be safe out there uh, don't get entirely too toxic intoxicated for uh, New Year's but uh, Guys, I hope to see you next time. Now, Jason, I might not see you, but we'll definitely have, uh, maybe we'll have B-Dog back on, and, and uh, we do appreciate you filling in for him this week.
3: Uh, thanks. I had an absolute blast, and I hope I didn't scare away too many listeners. <laughs> oh, anyway, on behalf of all of us, all of you, have, a, have a Merry Christmas. To Merry thanks, guys. Christmas.
2: And,
1: Excel-Seor! Oh,
0: persevere under last-minute-ness. Wow. <laughs> well, even that whole statement was unprepared. He's fine now, but... Yeah, he's fine like now. Yeah, what you... Like you just said. Y- you were breaking up for a little bit there. Okay. But but you're back. Okay, I'm back. Well, maybe you didn't break up a the recording. From outer space. Zach? Yeah? Hang up and uh, restart Skype, because you're, like... You're going all robotic.
3: Okay. Let yeah. me... Doesn't even suspect he's the host. <laughs> know it, but he doesn't. We know him
5: better than he does.
6: Speaking of the host, what the hell was that? Uh, that pimp? Uh... What's oh God, go Judas Traveler! Go. Judas Traveler! No, hey, what is he? Don't, say? Don't, don't
0: don't bring up Judas Traveler, please. God, no! Please, That's one of please the please worst don't. parts of the fucking Clone Saga.
3: La, la 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 la. Oh, you
0: must be psychiatrist. I will let you into Ravencroft because you are all dressed like psychiatrists were dressed. All right, Zach.
2: Okay, can you guys hear me now?
0: Yeah, talk. to host stay, has stay, returned. Stay shells she by returned. the seashore. shore.
2: Hey. Jason, just, quit interrupting.
0: Just talk continuously for twenty seconds, and let's see. Okay. Hey, hey, quick, quick, quickly! Is Zach breaking up for anyone else?
3: Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: even that was
3: broken up. All right. Let me. Let me uh, re- it might be your connection. We you won't even have to edit that swear word out. <laughs> All right. Let me. Uh, let me. Let him what? Now I'll never know.
2: No, no. For Tony, I told you, no more animals are going to be killed in my show.
0: Oh. Well, um... Killed, 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 okay, killed, 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 no more... Yikes. Gosh. Um, might not want to look, like, look like, behind yeah. the microphone.
1: Again?
3: <laughs> I know, I...
5: Toto! Thing. <laughs> oh, God, <man. laughs>
3: well, that. It's like, Toto... Oh, what
2: were you saying, Jason? I, I didn't get that. I said this is what I get for living in Detroit.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, just, well, the, crackheads you, you, yeah, well the, the crackheads are coming. Yeah, well, the crackheads are coming.
2: The crackheads are coming. The crackheads are coming.
3: I'm living homeless. Homeless. Sorry. California. If we didn't farm away with our quote-unquote...
2: <laughs> or, uh,
0: <laughs> oh, my oh. goodness. Let's not even say that <laughs> word. I'm editing that out. <laughs> God. We're not even going to associate ourselves. I mean, implying it is one thing, but outright saying, scaring them away with our... No. <laughs> I'm Let me stop the recording so Pamela doesn't crash and I lose
1: three hours.